You're listening to So So Speaks, a different kind of podcast where each week we discuss everything and anything that matters. No boundaries, no limitations, just real conversations, real stories, and real facts. What's up, guys? Sona here, and I am back with another episode. This episode is also going to be an unsolved mystery from France. In my research, I have discovered that there are many unsolved mysteries in France, and it seems that a large amount of them have not reached English speakers, which I think is unfortunate. So today's episode is about Stéphane Camagne. Stéphane Camagne was a 24-year-old engineering graduate born in Paris to Cameroonian parents. He was a recent graduate of the prestigious engineering school École Nationale Supérieure d'Arts et Métiers, LENSAM for short. It is situated in a small town called Chalon-en-Champagne, which is about two hours east of Paris. On the 6th of December 2008, the school's annual gala was held to celebrate that year's graduating class, of which Stéphane was a part of. And it was in the early hours of December 7, 2008, after the party, that Stefan disappeared. Tragically, on the 24th of December 2008, his body was fished out of a canal near the school. The cause of death was considered by the police to be an accidental drowning. The autopsy, however, concluded that Stefan had not drowned. There was no water in his lungs. Despite this, the authorities still believed that it could have been an accident. This, however, was not the case. So as always, let's get into it. So who was Stefan Camagne? As I mentioned earlier, Stefan was a 24-year-old man born in France to Cameroonian parents. He was an only child and their pride and joy. As a child, he was studious, well-behaved, and non-confrontational. Although born in Paris, when he was two years old, they moved back to Cameroon, where he stayed until the age of 16, until his parents decided that they would move back to France in order for him to continue his education. He not only loved school, but he excelled in it. After high school, he continued on to Lensam, where he was one of the only students to complete a program at Georgia Tech. He was a happy, jovial person who had a bright future ahead of him and so many plans he wanted to accomplish. So what happened to Stefan? On the 7th of December 2008, Stefan's parents are waiting for him at home. They are worried about him because they haven't heard from him since he went to Chalon-en-Champagne where he was supposed to stay for the weekend to celebrate his graduation. His mother had planned a get-together at 3 p.m. at their house with some family friends to celebrate the graduation, but Stefan doesn't show up. His parents try calling him multiple times, but his phone is off. At midnight, his father goes up to bed, hoping that perhaps he was still celebrating with his friends and lost track of time, but his mother continues to wait until around 2 a.m. before she goes upstairs to talk to her husband. She lets him know that Stefan is still not back. At this point, they are both extremely worried because deep down, they know something is wrong. It is not like Stefan not to contact them. His father goes into his room and tries to find any information that could help him figure out where he is and if there is any contact information for his friends. On Monday, December 8th, 
in the early hours of the morning, Stefan's father decides to contact a friend and classmate of Stefan's. This classmate has not seen Stefan since the party and doesn't know where he is. At 8 a.m., his father decides to contact the university who put out the word. The students start to mobilize to look for him around the town and the campus, but of course, they don't find him. Meanwhile, at his job, Stefan's colleagues are also concerned. One thing that is important to note is that by the time of the gala, the students had officially graduated, so most of them were already employed. Stefan was actually at this time working as an IT consultant for a large company in Paris. So that Monday, he was obviously supposed to be at work. One of his classmates, who actually worked for the same company, said that around 9.30 a.m., they received a call from the client Stefan was supposed to have a meeting with, stating that he was late and that they were concerned because it was unlike him. At this stage, his parents have also learned that Stefan's car was found in the parking lot of the school, so they decided to make the trip to the university to see if the car would give them any clues as to his whereabouts. When they get to the car, they see that it is in good condition, the doors are locked, and it is parked properly. However, they did notice that his coat was in the back seat, and that's when they knew that something was very wrong. It is extremely cold in December, so it was not normal at all for him to be without his coat. His parents, who are obviously now stressed and overwhelmed, decide to contact a lawyer to give them advice on how to proceed. Now, I will say that this is normal in France. It is normal for families to contact lawyers before they contact the police because the lawyer will give them advice whether they should actually go through with contacting the police or not. So that is normal. The lawyer agrees with them that the circumstances are troubling, and at 5 p.m. they call the police. The next day, which at this point would be the 9th of December 2008, the police begin their search. So he has been missing by now for 48 hours. Divers are also mobilized to search the canals in the area, but there is no sign of him. Although that was not surprising because the weather conditions were extremely bad, it was not only raining, but it was freezing and there was very little visibility in the water. The divers couldn't see anything in the water, so they were actually using their hands to feel around, which of course isn't practical. The police start by talking to some of the students who were at the gala, all of whom mentioned that there was a lot of drinking going on and that they don't know where he is. So the police begin to think that due to the drinking, maybe Stefan had some sort of accident. Maybe he was extremely drunk and fell into the canal. By now, people, of course, are mobilizing together. They are actively searching for Stefan, including the students at the school. However, one thing that I did find interesting was that the school asked that there not be any flyers put on their gates. And apparently that was because they were concerned about their reputation. They didn't want Stefan's disappearance to, allegedly, they didn't want Stefan's disappearance to sully the school's reputation which does give you an idea of what kind of institution this is. Unfortunately, after only a few days, the police stopped their search. But two weeks later, the divers decided to resume the search because there was actually one canal that they had not been able to search because of the weather conditions. And that is when they found his body. 
Ironically, this canal was only a hundred meters from the school. At first glance, the body has no clear marks that indicate trauma. There are no wounds or visible injuries. He is still wearing his clothes, but his shirt is torn. His wallet is still on him, which includes his bank card, as well as his money, which is about 200 euros in cash. He also had his phone and car keys on him, so it is clear that this was not a robbery gone wrong. The time of his death could not be determined, but according to the medical examiner, the state of his body did reflect a body that had been submerged in water for at least two weeks. The initial autopsy was conducted on the 27th of December 2008, and they found the following. As I mentioned earlier, there was no water in his lungs, which indicates that he did not drown, meaning that he was deceased before entering the water. There was trauma to his chest, what they call blunt force trauma. More specifically, all of his ribs on his right side were broken. On the left, eight were broken. These broken ribs perforated his lungs and his spine was also broken. According to the coroner, these injuries are what caused his death. And at that stage of the investigation, the conclusion was that Stefan must have fallen from an elevated place, for example, a bridge. Based on the type of person he was and his personality, the police actually chose to rule out suicide. And based on his toxicology results, he was extremely drunk at the time of his death. He had a blood alcohol level of 1 gram 90, which which is extremely high. His family states that he was not a big drinker, so this amount of alcohol would have definitely impaired him. In addition to this, he was found with his fly open, so the police hypothesized that he may have been urinating from the top of a bridge, fallen onto the sidewalk below, and bounced off into the water. Based on this theory, the police attempt to determine which bridge he fell off of. However, through their research, they find that there is only one bridge which would support this theory, but even then, not only would it have taken some effort for him to have fallen off that bridge, but the bridge was also extremely far away from the school and the town center. There would have been no reason for him to be there, especially if he was as drunk as his toxicology report determined. His parents refused to accept the cause of death as an accident, and after being advised by their lawyers, they decide to get a second opinion. While they are waiting for the results, they work on getting a complete timeline of the night of his disappearance, and this is what they found out. On the night of the graduation gala, so the 6th of December 2008, Stéphane goes to Chalon en Champagne from his parents' house. He has dinner with his friends, and around 9 p.m., they head back to the school for the gala. The gala is, of course, invitation only. This is a big event, so they have security there. And one thing that is important to note is that there is supposedly only one entrance in and out of the school. This will become very relevant later. At 10 p.m., he is seen by many enjoying the evening and having a good time with his friends. They were all drinking, including Stefan. By 3 a.m., Stefan's friends say that he was extremely drunk, drunk to the point where he could barely walk properly. 
So one of his friends drives him to the library, which was the designated area for the students who wanted a break from the party. They were actually allowed to go into the library to rest. So his friend said that he stayed with Stefan until he was sure that he was okay, and then he left. A student from the school who did not know Stefan tells the police that at 3.30 a.m. he saw a large black man leaving the library. The police assume that this must have been Stefan. He was apparently still extremely drunk and was again struggling to walk. The witness also tells police that the security that was there stopped Stefan and forcefully kicked him out of the school. They apparently argued back and forth because Stefan wanted to go back inside, but they would not let him. So he left, and that is the last time anyone saw him. His friends actually went back to the library, but he was gone, so they just assumed that he went home. The strange thing is that around that time is when the gala was ending. So all of the students were leaving through the courtyard. And remember, there is supposedly only one entrance in and out of the school. So they were filing out of that particular entrance. Now, this is almost 2,000 people, yet no one knows what happened to Stefan after 3.30 a.m. After some time, the results of the second autopsy came in, and they indicated exactly what everyone was thinking. His death was no accident. So this, of course, meant that they would have to come up with a hypothesis for what they think happened to Stefan, and that is what they did. They came up with the hypothesis that he was hit by a car, and so they started looking for cars that would have damage, indicating that they perhaps hit someone, but they had relatively little luck. On top of that, although the theory is probable in that the roads are narrow, and someone could have been drunk and hit him, there is one thing that didn't add up. If he was hit by the car in a hit and run type of scenario, how did he end up in the water? It would mean that they hit him, then got out of the car and carried him to the water, which apparently police thought was an unlikely scenario. Another hypothesis that was put forward in relation to a car being involved was that perhaps he fell asleep in the road and was run over that way. However, his clothes were analyzed more closely to see if there were any tire marks or oil stains, and although there were flattened areas on his clothes consistent with some sort of impact, it was determined that it was not a car. And of course, even if he was run over, that doesn't negate the fact that he was still found in the water. So there would have to be some sort of explanation for why he was in the water. Now, I'll give my opinions on that later, but this essentially put them back at square one. So the police decide to return to Lensam to try and talk to the students further. Now, one interesting thing about this school that is important to mention is that 
it is not only known for its academics, but for its traditions as well. And these traditions actually strongly resemble Greek culture. And by that, I mean Greek culture in the American sense, i.e. fraternities and sororities, etc. Except in this case, it encompasses the entire school. The students who go to Lensam are called the Gazar, and this nickname dates back all the way to the 19th century. The students of the school perpetuate their own traditions and folklore and organize themselves in a student society or union. So Gazar is abbreviated from Gazar, which means guys from the arts, which of course ties back to the name of the school, which is École Nationale Supérieure d'Arts et Métiers. The Gazar folklore includes traditional clothing, slang, songs and legends, symbolism, and ceremonies. Their activities are independent of the school's administration and are exclusively run by the students and alumni, although the two parties often cooperate in order to organize cultural or sporting events. Now, as you can imagine, this creates an atmosphere of secrecy. But despite this, the police found out something that they didn't know before. And that's the fact that someone actually asked security to remove Stefan from the premises. And that someone was a fellow Gaza, so a student. However, that's all the information that they get. So ultimately, a third and final expert is asked to weigh in on this case. And this is an expert in trauma. They determine that he was likely hit extremely hard with an extremely heavy object. Hard enough that it left those compressed areas on his clothes that didn't fade in the water. In addition to this, he was either taken by surprise or was not in a position to defend himself, and this was evident from the lack of defense marks on his body. Finally, the police decide to question the security guards, but when they do, they are not very cooperative. They minimize the interaction that they had with Stefan, and they basically say that nothing really happened. When they examined his phone, the mystery as to what happened to him deepened. They discovered that his phone pinged off of a tower near his school until 8.25 a.m. on the 7th of December. This, of course, begs the question, what exactly happened between 3.30 a.m. when he was kicked out of the party to 8.25 a.m. and was he alive? After an article on his death is published, the case actually takes an interesting turn. A witness comes forward. This witness has nothing to do with the school. He is a newspaper delivery man whose route happens to be near the school. Now, he tells police that in the early hours of the 7th of December, around 5 a.m., he was delivering newspapers in the streets near the school in the exact area where Stefan was seen for the last time. He goes on to say that while he was doing this, he saw a group of Gazar, so a group of students from the school, who were extremely rowdy. They were actually so rowdy and aggressive that he decided to go back the way he came in order to avoid them. 
And that's not all. He said that between them, they were carrying a large piece of wood. Apparently, it looked like a giant peel. For those of you that don't know, a peel is a shovel-like tool used by bakers to slide loaves of bread, uh, pizzas, etc. in and out of the oven. He assumed that it was some sort of school mascot, which is interesting because, ironically, Each graduating class at Lensum has a large key made out of wood called la clé d'ex. Translated literally, it means the key of X. So if I were to guess, it probably means the key belonging to X students. These keys are quite large. If you would like to see what they look like, I will put the image of them up on my Instagram, which is in the description. Now, when certain students were asked about whether the key can be moved around, they categorically said that they are too heavy to move and remain in a designated place. However, the key was definitely present there that night, the night of the gala, because journalists confirmed this by looking through the photos from that evening. What's even more interesting is that the school actually has another large wooden symbol that looks a lot like a spoon, which lines up exactly with what the witness said. And I will also put an image of this on my Instagram. Stefan's parents' lawyers, of course, felt that these objects needed to be looked into, as it's very likely that he could have been hit with one of them, especially after such a credible description from the witness. Unfortunately, we can assume that nothing ever came of that lead either. In fact, I'm saddened to say that since 2008, there has been absolutely zero development in Stefan's case. Every January, his close friends and family go to Chalon Champagne to pay tribute to him and to also remind the town and the police not to forget him. Without knowing what happened to Stefan, his parents are unable to grieve properly. He was their only child and the apple of their eye. It is extremely tragic and heartbreaking. Now, I think it goes without saying that something is very off surrounding this case. Just like his parents, I also believe that he was murdered. It's also very clear to me that someone at that school knows something. Another aspect of this case that I find really troubling is the time between him being kicked out by security and when his phone goes dark. We know that his phone was in his pocket when they found his body, so it was on him. Now, he was near the school from 3.30 a.m. to 8.25 a.m. How did nobody see him? Was he alive? The fact that he is, you know, a large black man in a predominantly white area, I feel that if he was walking around, especially as the sun is coming up, by 8.25 the sun is out, how did nobody see him? So I think that he was killed shortly after leaving the school and his body was concealed. Essentially, to me, it boils down to two likely scenarios of what happened. Obviously, I wasn't there, so I can't say that this is exactly what happened. But based off of the information that we are given, these are the two likely scenarios that I think happened. The first one is that it was the students that had the stick. And the second one is that something happened with the security after they told him to leave the party. Initially, I was leaning more towards him being hit by a car. He was leaving the party around 3.30 a.m. 
that's when everyone else was leaving. We know that there was a lot of drinking going on. Maybe someone decided to drive when they shouldn't have, hit him, didn't know what to do, panicked, kept him in the car until the coast was clear, and then put him in the water. However, obviously this would have had to be more than one person. He was a really big guy. But also when I looked into what injuries you could get being hit by a car, I realized that it was unlikely that he was hit by a car because most of his injuries, actually all of his injuries, were in his torso area. Obviously there are a lot of factors involved when someone is hit by a car, but the most common injuries are head injuries, lower body injuries, and then torso injuries. Stefan only had torso injuries. He had no other damage. In addition to that, had he been hit by a car, we could assume that there would be some damage to the car as well. In addition to that, a bunch of people getting out of a car, picking up someone, putting them in the car, all of that commotion, I would like to think that someone would have heard it or seen it. So I highly doubt that he was hit by a car. I do, however, believe that a car was involved in transporting and concealing his body. I don't think that he was outside from 3.30 a.m. to 8.25 a.m. without anybody seeing him. We know that someone was delivering newspapers at 5 a.m. and we know that Stefan was around the school. So his body, in my opinion, was concealed. I definitely think that the police need to look deeper into the group of students that were walking around with the large wooden object and the security guards that he had the altercation with. One interesting fact that may be nothing but that I found intriguing is a comment I stumbled on when going over the Facebook page that was created back in 2008. It was written by one of his colleagues in the days following his disappearance prior to his body being found. And in this comment, he talks about the last conversation he had with Stefan, and he says that Stefan told him he was going to meet an old friend. Now, in French, you can tell whether it's a female friend or male friend based off of the gender of the word, and he definitely said a female friend singular, which is interesting to me that he would make sure to say a friend as opposed to seeing his friends. That leads me to believe that this was someone perhaps that was special to him. Unfortunately, we don't know much more than that. But I do wonder if something happened that night regarding that friend. Maybe she had an admirer who was not appreciative of Stefan. Who knows? There are so many unanswered questions when it comes to this case. All we can really do is raise awareness and hope that one day there will be a resolution for Stefan and his family. So if you are listening to this and by some miracle have any information on the death and murder of Stefan Camagne, please contact the Chalon Champagne police. I will put their information in the description. So that brings us to the end of the episode. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you are all doing well and hanging in there. As always, I wish you the best wherever you are, and I'll see you next time. Bye. Yeah, they can't hold us back. We on another level. Yeah, it's that new age, ain't it something special? Yeah, we gon' change the game. We gon' live forever. This is the new age Now they wanna play cause they're tryna get paid But they can't cause they're too late We got stacks already making it rain They can't
can't afford us now. Jump on the jet, switching borders now. Roll me off when I was 17. Fast forward, they're my employees now. Welcome to the fucking future. This that life that I'm getting used to. I do whatever I choose to. Fake friends I will never lose to. I am bound to a briefcase. I'm on the run, that's a speed chase. New living is that new phase. Already begun, it's that new